Take your mark. Get set. It is absolutely time for the Addict Athlete Podcast. Hey everybody, Coach Blue Robinson here. I want to give everyone a special thanks for tuning into today's podcast and for those who really go the extra mile and share this with anyone who may be struggling with any kind of addiction. It doesn't just have to be substance use. It could be absolutely anything that is causing frustration in life. Um, athletes, I want to give a special shout out and thanks to our brand new Patreon subscriber. This uh, is a, a, an amazing opportunity for anyone who wants to help support what we're doing here to help grow the team, to help increase our content, open yourself up for merchandise and special offers and whatnot. Um, but today I want to give a special Addict to Athlete welcome to Carolyn Harris. Thank you so much, Carolyn, for becoming a Patreon subscriber. Um, but we also want to give a special shout out to our, our rookie level Patreon donors. And they consist of Josh Hansen, Gary Thurston, Kenny Roseman, and Earl Dyer. Thank you to all of our rookie level subscribers to Patreon. Um, but with that, we also have two uh, professional level donate donors. And uh, this goes out to Jim Copeland and Selena Armitage. So thank you so much, Jim and Selena, for your contributions. And specifically, I want to give a very special shout out to our championship level donor. This goes out to the Shad and Freya Robinson family. Uh, you guys, thank you so much, Shad and Freya and the Robinson family for helping out Team Addict to Athlete with your Patreon subscription. Athletes, I want to turn your attention to our website, addictoathlete.org, where you're going to be able to find uh, our 2020 virtual 5K. It's already open for registration, and we'd love for you to become a proxy runner for someone that may have lost their battle to addiction or, or mental health. As September's National Mental Health and Addiction Awareness Month, we want to make sure that everyone can be remembered. And what a great way to do it by jumping on Team Addict to Athlete. Well, so athletes, I am running solo today. You're getting Coach Blue um, all by himself and actually recording in a, in a space that's not the uh, studio, which is why the audio is probably sounding a little bit different, but we're going to make do because I have a lot I want to talk to you guys about today, specifically about kind of the temperament and temperature of what's going on in our world today. And I think it's kind of sad to get an understanding uh, how far we've slipped into dividing camps, meaning we've got divisions in the political arena, in the scientific arena, in your addiction and your recovery arena. There's so many different sides to what um, what's going on that I want to really kind of touch base and see if we can get um, some understanding on why does it seem like so much um, effort is going in to cause chaos and frustration. A lot of what we're going to talk about today comes from a book called The Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene. You may or may not have noticed that we are in the middle of a pandemic, a global pandemic. And that's kind of crazy to, to, to say because, you know, you think that's something that should have died out in the uh, dark ages, you know, with the, the plague and, and even in the turn of the century with the, uh, with this, with the flu that it came through and, and wiped out quite a bit of our population. Um, but athletes, I've noticed um, that tempers and temperatures are so high as it pertains to things that uh, we feel or we truly believe um, we need to point out. I'm going to specifically talk a little bit about how is it that we have found ourselves in this day and age, in, in modern life, how have we found ourselves kind of like in this paradigm of it's my way or the highway and I know more than you and, you know, in a world where we live in, in situations by which you can Google everything and you can Facebook video post something 
that um, if you don't believe my way, then, you know, to hell with you. And, you know, you're not my friend anymore. And it's a weird, weird atmosphere that I think is palpable. And it's actually tangible when you start feeling the negative uh, responses that come. I've been watching kind of closely uh, a, a post that was made about well, why masks don't work and why masks do work and you know who's, who wants this guy for president and who absolutely doesn't want that guy for president. And it's interesting because what I've noticed is that human nature, it really does affect our day-to-day -day lives. And, uh, you know, who doesn't want to make better decisions, you know? I think the key is to better understand the influences uh, that we have that can involve uh, our opinions, our thoughts, our belief systems, and then really what are the underlying motivations behind all that? You see, I think the aspect of human nature uh, th that uh, are, go overlooked are under-discussed. And, and really, I want to make sure that we understand just how influential aspects of human nature go overlooked or are really kind of under-discussed, I want to make sure that we understand just how influential they can be. And so, you know, for the most part, we don't like to admit that we are envious, that we're self-centered uh, and prone to like, the group mentality. Um, but really, we all have these tendencies, guys. And once we acknowledge these aspects of our behavior and our human nature, we can really start to begin to make the best of it by curbing those impulses and really making them uh, useful to uh, maybe our advantage, right? And so I get thinking about how complex we are and the parts of that human experience that really kind of touch us all. You just take a snapshot of what's going on right now. If we can seriously better understand human nature, we can start living a, a more excellent life and we can really have control over our impulses, whether that's an impulse to post something on social media, whether that's an impulse to try and defend your opinion. Um, and, and I've found, I've caught myself, I've fallen victim to this. And in fact, it was because of that feeling that I decided about three years ago to absolutely stop watching the news. There was a very influential uh, woman that I was working with and and she came to uh, to get seek some some counsel, and and one of her problems that she self admitted was that she gets too involved in the news. And I got thinking when she first told me that, I thought, "There's what? Like that's kind of strange because she seems like a real lovely person." I'm thinking, you know, what, what's it doing to you? And when she described the frustration, the anger, the sadness, the depression that came along with watching the news, my my jaw dropped because she was absolutely right. And it happened to me so many times in my past where I would get on and try to defend some point of view and it got like, what am I doing? This is the stupidest thing ever. Well, you know, I find myself re-engaging in some of that activity lately because of some of the staunch, you know, derivatives of, of people's, uh, you know, I guess opinions that they try and prove as fact. And it was interesting because there was a little dialogue that was going back and forth this weekend about um, a video that was posted about how masks don't work and they are scientifically proven not to work. And it got me thinking, well, if that's the case, why in the world are doctors wearing these things in surgery when there's not a pandemic? Well, the thing is, is it boils down to there are people that are afraid um, that they're gonna catch this, 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 uh, this virus. And then there's those who think that by someone asking them or even demanding that they wear a mask, that it takes away their freedom. And I think we all need to take a step out of our own like irrational beliefs here and start thinking about reality. Because really we are getting uh, to a spot where we're all becoming so divided. 
And it's interesting because I've seen that division in, in play itself out in addiction world and addiction recovery. And now I'm seeing it in uh, social light and uh, being posted through social media. And it's causing huge conflict. And so today I want to talk a little bit about how we are seriously are all prone to irrational behavior. And we like to think that like because we're modern human beings and we are focused on, on doing good and we have more than our ancestors had, that things should be uh, a lot more clear um, and that we are a very clever and like super irrational bunch of people. But really, athletes, the truth is we tend to make decisions based on emotions that, that we feel in any given moment. So that means that pretty often we are super irrational, which is kind of funny when you think about it, right? Because there's been times where I've gotten on a soapbox or, or a pedestal and, and preached my opinion and thinking that it was very valid only to find someone that kind of stu stood up and said, well, well, what about this aspect? Now, you know, the uneducated or the, the, the one who typically bases all this off of feeling is going to get on their pedestal and start fighting back and forth, right? And I think when we get into that mindset of thinking versus feeling, we have to understand the principle behind that. So we live in a world where we've been taught that our feelings must rule the roost. And I don't truly believe that at all, athletes. When we allow feelings to take over our thoughts, we begin to get very irrational. And what I mean is this, if I was to say, like again, non-political, but I have to use it as an example because uh, it, it fits. You know, if I was to say, I, I, I feel that Donald Trump is the worst president on the, that's ever walked the face of this earth and he's the most horrible, despicable man. If I was to go on a pedestal and say, I feel that way, that's just a feeling, right? You can't debate a feeling. If someone comes up and says, well, I think you're, I, I, I feel you're wrong. Well, no, because that's my truth. That's my feeling. You can't take away my feeling. I feel that this and I feel that that. What we've lost is that ability to say, I think. Now, if I would say I think he was the worst president that walked the face of the earth, someone that, that thought he was the best president that walked the face of the earth would be able to debate me. And in order to debate me, then I have to make sure that I have exactly you know, a reasons why I don't like him. And so thoughts can create debate. Feelings can just you know, create sympathy. And so when we do this, we dumb ourselves down and we don't allow ourselves to kind of defend our, our stance. And so I, you know, I, I think that when we get into that paradigm shift, we really start seeing the, uh, that those emotions uh, that are kind of like expressed are pretty dang irrational, right? And so this struggle between our emotions and our rational sides of our, of our lives has gone on for ages, really. Because this struggle has been going on for years, one of the early champions of rational behavior was found to be in, uh, in, in uh, Athens, Greece, the fifth century BC, named Pericles. And when, when Athens was under the threat of attack by the Spartans, he was able to convince the leaders to show restraint and not engage in like all out war. Well, unfortunately, his wisdom didn't prevail uh, when Athens was struck by the plague and Pericles died. Instead, emotions then took over in a very costly drawn out war throughout Athens and it brought that city to its knees. So the secret to Pericles' wisdom was patience. And this is what uh, we still need to kind of rely on to curb our own irrational decisions and mindsets before we start engaging in any kind of debate that's going to you know, hurt a relationship. 
So if there was a if there was a problem or important decision to be made, Pericles would withdraw to his house and he would think it over and consider all the potential consequences, and then he'd make that decision in everyone's best interest, right? Not just you know the interest of the leaders or the most wealthy people. So whenever possible, we need to take lessons from this and think about increasing our reaction time so that we're not making decisions in the heat of an emotional moment. Think about that for a second. Whenever possible, increase your reaction time so that you're not making decisions in the heat of an emotional moment. And, and then meanwhile, try to consider all the people's uh, possible bias that they're gonna have, or maybe their own ideas or their own thought processes and how that's gonna kind of influence the decision um, to act or, or to react. And so really, if we think about that, you know, uh, take time. You know, we've, we've, all, we've all had a situation by which we've been in a really heavy conversation and we've been upset with someone and we've gotten into a fight, maybe a verbal disagreement. And then you might feel like you didn't quite win the battle, but as you walk away, you spend a little bit of time thinking about it and you're like, oh, dang, man, I wish I would have said this. Well, that's exactly what that is. It's taking the time to kind of think of the best action. There's been times when I have done this um, through the process of acting, meaning, you know, back in the day when I'd get very, you know, uh, preachy, I'd jump on a soapbox and start typing a very poignant, funny, passive aggressive uh, message on Facebook to you know, put my opinion through. And by the time I was writing this whole book of response, I would just simply delete it because I'm like, well, this is dumb. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to engage in a Facebook battle with some stranger and I love it. And uh, I wish I could say that I don't do it all the time because, you know, if you look on your, my emoji thing now, my emoji uh, keyboard, the first one is a clown in a tent because, you know, I've been, unfortunately, been part of some of those political discussions lately. And that's, that's how I kind of view our current administration. And so it's kind of a funny thing, but then I got thinking, Blue, don't do that, you know, because really there are personal reasons why I don't like the sitting president, but I'm going to have to respect the office because it's not my way. And so really it's taken a little bit more of a mature way to look at this. So we gotta look at the bias that we have too. And that's the thing, right? Is because I don't know all the policy that he's been making. All I know is the public eye that I see and some of the, the, the goofiness that I can kind of quantify in my head as being like, that's not really a leader in my eyes, but that's not really up to me to share to anybody else because those are my opinions and I really should be keeping those more to myself. The other bias that we kind of got to look at is the, is the uh, appearance bias, which kind of leads us to believe that someone uh, who looks like, a, like appealing, whether it's attractive or rich, must somehow be of good character and therefore we must really follow what they're saying or what they're doing. This is a big deal when it comes to social media. Appearance bias can get a group to turn on a, a person, an individual, a situation fairly quick because of their social status. And we gotta be super careful with that and thus the reason I have to be a lot more careful because although I don't consider myself a a huge um, influencer I have to also remember my position as the coach of addict to athlete as as a member of the of the community as a therapist at, uh, at Palmari at you know at my, my religious uh, orientations I've got to be careful because Although I might not think I'm an influencer, I have a platform and therefore we've got to be careful with that. So, you know, when there's a group bias, it kind of leads us to believe that whatever group we belong to kind of ends all is all. 
which again has to be careful when executing uh, opinions and thoughts, guys, because on Team Addict to Athlete, there's been times where I have gotten up on a soapbox and I've got to be very careful on how I say things. So when there is a group bias, it leads us again to believe whatever, whatever group we belong to is right. And so if you're a member of a group, um, you're going to agree with that group's standpoints and uh, their, their views. And so we've got to be careful on Team Addict to Athlete that we don't fall into the trap of thinking that we are superior or that we have you know, the key or the only pathway or, or direction to, to find true recovery. You've heard in the past that there's been times where I've been you know, very opinionated on things like the 12-step groups. And you'll also hear me say that although you know, there are things that I may disagree with, I truly believe that if you work the steps, you're guaranteed a life of, of recovery. And so, you know, we gotta be careful about that because early on in the inception of the team, um, we had people going to, you know, different places to talk about addict to athlete and they would kind of like really down, like downplay the effectiveness of the steps. So they would almost offend those who were our participants in the 12 steps. And we had to reel that back in real fast because again, a good group, I believe, doesn't limit your um, field of participation in any kind of uh, uh, setting. And so think about that. If we were to hold a boundary or a rule so tightly that, you know, it was our way or the highway and you couldn't participate in in any other you know recovery program or any other you know, athletic ability you know or group or things like that like i think we'd be setting ourselves up to have a very small a team really it's only addict to athlete and you can't expand how are you going to grow and so we got to be careful with parents bias and that group bias you know because you know some people will will follow the the, the most loud most you know like uh, flamboyant um like i guess a social media influencer and then they'll find out that oh man like their views don't really match mine but i you know what's good for the goose must be good for the gander and that's not gonna last for very long guys our bias can be easily led into bad decisions and so we've got to take a higher road and think about the concept of it's okay and kind of good to be skeptical to be analytical and to be curious about different viewpoints so think about that principle for a minute during the, the discussion that I was having online and kind of watching uh, things transpire on a post about should you wear a mask or is it violating our freedom and there's no research about it, um, it was interesting because someone made a, uh, a skeptical slash analytical decision, researched some of what the individual was saying and found it not to be 100% accurate. And then when reporting that um, was 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 kind of verbally attacked for that opinion. I got thinking, man, that's a closed-minded situation. My my thoughts on that is we got to be careful because we put things out there as if they're, they're gospel truth. And sometimes we have to understand that by the time they reach that state, they've kind of been geared towards whatever narrative they want to fit. Because you can find research for anything out there to support your side of the argument which is kind of funny you know if you think about it it's like so then what is real truth i mean we can get into that you know like like a theological rabbit hole but you got to be cautious with that when when people bring up other viewpoints i think it's always amazing to find people that can stay neutral i do my best to do that about being able to say hey you know what i see that i see the point because again although i may not enjoy the person who is currently residing in the white house i think trump has done some 
some decent things too. I mean, let's be honest. Um, I wish that he was a little bit more couth when it came to the way that he described his relationships with women and things of that nature, because that to me is, is very disrespectful, but to each his own. I mean, that's that's a whole nother thing, right? And so you know, we don't have to have an emotionally empty robot response when we're making decisions on whether to engage in a conversation or not. But what we want to do is kind of bind ourselves to making better decisions when we feel calm. And so really, guys, by taking that little bit of time and whenever possible, increase that reaction time to, the, to a point where you're not making decisions impulsively, right in that heat of the emotional moment, I think we're going to end up being on the winning category, the winning side of that battle. And so we've got to understand athletes that to a certain degree, like it or not, we are, we are all narcissistic to some degree. I listened to some podcasts, you talk about this a lot. And at first I was kind of like, you know, oh, we're not narcissistic, you know, but but really, I think we are, all of us, in a, in a small little way, we, we really kind of are. And so we, we should judge character by actions, not by appearances. And I think that's kind of a funny situation. Um, Dr. Paul Jenkins once told me about this, and I've loved this concept ever since I've learned it. And he said, which is more important, your character or your reputation? And it got me really thinking about that because, you know, our my reputation as a therapist in this community that I live in, it, it, it precedes me, I'm telling you, because I'm a very, like, by the book, confrontational, you know, um, hit you with the iron, iron fist in a velvet glove kind of guy. Go for the throat, massage the heart. And because of that, my reputation is that I'm intense, like, driven to, like, pull out the emotions in you. But once you know the character behind that, once you understand who I am authentically, it changes that perspective greatly. And so we wanna be careful that we, we understand that the, the, the crown jewel is to have be of strong character because along with, with the, our tendencies to be irrational, um, as humans, we carry that need uh, to obtain like a certain amount of attention. And because of that, we're all kind of a little bit self-absorbed, right? By our very nature, we're narcissistic by some extent, if you think about it. And, and this means each of us um, exist on the spectrum of ranging from healthy levels of narcissism to very deep, unhealthy narcissism. And that deep narcissism um, are usually people with a, a faulty sense of self. Really, they don't know who they are, and so they see other people as extensions of themselves and uh, to be used you know, for themselves. And this can be traced back into childhood and the years between, um, you know, like, like when, when you're a kid, like, you know, birthed about six years old, when uh, the age of the person stops seeing themselves as an extension of their mother or extension uh, of what they have and develops a sense of individualized attitude. And so at this point, that deep narcissist that we can kind of probably point out in the crowd, right? They can develop in, in, in a few different ways. I, I think it results in low self-esteem and feelings of insecurity. If we have low self-esteem and feelings of insecurity, then we're going to double down on anything that we do, anything that we say. Think about that in the world of your addiction. If, if in addiction you have that mindset, mercy, you're going to have quite a large addiction you're going to have to battle as, as you grow and as you mature. As a result, that deep narcissist, they try to cope with that broken sense of self 
yourself through uh, you know, behavioral patterns that you'll notice. Uh, that, this will include like jealousy, attention seeking, being like over controlling, uh, uh, taking everything personal, uh, and being unable to handle criticism. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I've noticed. See, in social media, when we post things online, we have the safety of the screen. You've all heard this before, where the person um, posting that would never say this out loud in a group because you know confrontation like that is very uh, unpleasant. But they are more than happy to post that stuff on a screen, which is kind of an interesting thing. And so, you know, we got to look at what that really means. If you are unable to handle criticism, well, maybe you're in the wrong business because you're going to get criticized for everything. Even me, I'm criticized quite a bit when it comes to my viewpoints, um, the way that we run the team. You know, it happened last night when I was online dealing with, a, with an athlete and a problem that they were having. And the funny thing about it was there was a little bit of criticism. And if I take that personal, then it's game over for me. But if people are criticizing me, I really do and I really will look at both sides of that coin. And what I mean by that is I have enough self-love for myself that I understand that when I'm wrong, I can be wrong. In fact, I'll share with you a little, a little situation that happened about a year ago when I was talking to a mentor of mine and um, I was pointing out some flaws that I had noticed and was looking for some advice to be given. And the conversation was turned on to me as if it was my fault. And the strangest thing about it was as I was kind of explaining why I felt things needed to change and what my thoughts were on how to change those things, it got spun around on me and then kind of jumbled up in, in an attempt to try and make the situation my fault. But then, you know, dump in a little, a little, uh, you know, extra heart, heart tugging string pulling contest, which was now make it spiritual. And it didn't, it didn't work. The person I was com conversing with didn't work because it didn't have any context to what we were talking about. And the criticism that he was giving me at first felt, okay, I can take this. I can see this. And I admitted to a certain degree. Yeah, I can see how that was taken. But then when it was flipped to say, all right, now I'm going to rub salt in that wound, that's where the whole thing went, went to pot. The whole thing went down. And it was because I realized that now he's trying to have a superior complex over me. And you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but how narcissistic of this individual to think that the ploy that I'd seen him use so many times to help people see you know, the spiritual side of things was now being used on me to shut me up and to move on with life. And so, you know, taking that criticism um, is important. If you have a difficult time handling criticism, if you're taking it too, too close to your heart, then we gotta have a chat because you're taking that stuff on board and you're believing what they're saying. See, criticism's a funny thing because if the criticism holds weight, accept it in, bring it in. Change the way that you do things, change your perspective, maybe change your attitude. But if it doesn't, and if it's there to hurt, um, well, then we realize that, okay, this person has no clue what they're talking about. I'm secure enough with myself that um, I'm gonna be able to, to pass this on as a, well, this guy's way out in left field. So remember, 
deep narcissism typically come through the way that we were raised and typically between ages zero to one year or zero to five years old. And it, uh, it really does. It results in um, low self-esteem, feelings of insecurity, and the results of deep narcissistic type personality disorders give us a broken sense of, of who we are. You know, we can get jealous and we can have attention seeking experiences. We can be over controlling and we can take things personal and we will very much be unable to handle criticism. So ironically, um, narcissism is also associated with self-love which is kind of a funny thing and this is actually what uh, many deep narcissists lack I think is that proper sense of self-love and so one of the best ways to gain a healthier level of narcissism is to create a sense of self that you can love which will reduce insecurities and raise self-esteem think about that right a healthy sense of narcissism. You love yourself to the point where you're going to keep yourself sober. You're going to keep yourself employed. You're going to keep yourself educated. You're going to keep yourself in positions to gain relationships, to have experiences by raising your self-esteem and reducing your insecurities. And I think that empathy is another thing that deep narcissists lack. And this is one of the best tools we can have in our life. Empathy is the ability to sense what others are going through so that it connects us to the people in their lives. It's uh, also great for recognizing people's true character and, uh, and having the insight to turn yourself into a person of really positive, powerful character. Empathy seems to be a dying principle when it comes to um, uh, opinions and viewpoints. And uh, we, we, again, you know, posting and doing those kind of things because um, we want to be right and we don't want to, to, be, uh, to be embarrassed. And so when it comes to being a judge of character, obviously it's important to understand that we all wear masks, like it or not, in our day-to-day -day life. And it's not the mask that uh, is gonna keep COVID away from you. We all wear these masks that are superficial by nature because we have these presentations of who we are and who we should be uh, in, in different circumstances circumstances, different situations. The most amazing experience is when you hit that ability to start being sober and your recovery becomes so focused that those masks that you once wore can be discarded and that authentic, true self can kind of step forward. It's one of the neatest things, right? Because you know, we're always trying to win people over by presenting ourselves uh, in ways and in light that make people want to hear us. I think Shakespeare is one that like wrote um, all the world's a stage. And if we, if we think that into a situation by which we're always acting, we'll never to thine own self be true, correct? And so I, I love that. We shouldn't accept what we see or hear as a reflections of a person's true character, right? A person's true character often reveals itself in how they face adversity, um, how they work with other people, um, whether they can learn to uh, adapt or whether they you know, fall away and hide. You know, athletes, I look at these kind of situations um, recently, and I think, you know, we really should strive to be a strong character and we should use those behaviors to our advantage. And if we have a strong sense of character, we're going to be able to have a, uh, a character that's mixed with strong and weak qualities. And these uh, qualities will help us gain understanding of ourselves and help form our own thoughts, our own feelings, our own emotions, and really create experiences that we can have with one another. Our innate traits aren't really supposed to be a prison. We can control them. And even the weak ones that kind of might 
tend to sink our ship or put us into relapse mode, um, no matter what, we can take advantage of those and we can strive to be of, of strong character. You know, everyone, and I, and I truly believe this, I think everyone's prone to being short-sighted and defensive. I mean, it's, it's just a way of life, athletes. And, and the reason really is tied up, again, in human nature. We're far more likely to react uh, to something that's right in front of us um, in the here and now and therefore we get to the point where we don't have time to even think and we just react and short-sightedness goes back a long way to the survival um, of the fittest when we were seriously trying to just scavenge for food and water and avoid predators uh, that might kill us right and so being short-sighted I think is uh, is an interesting thing because to perform at your best, you need to recognize the tendencies to neglect the big picture in favor of immediate concerns. However, it's far better to adapt, you know, as a, as a far-sighted perspective than a short-sighted perspective. And what I mean by that is remember to take a step back when you're making a decision and be calm about the problem at hand um, and what your options are and the consequences, what they might actually be and then when you recognize that today's problems are more the consequences of actions that we're taking in the past we may be a little bit better able to you know assess them right and so we should know that sometimes doing um what we want to is going to have some consequences because if we're out there for our own self-pleasure or for our own interests we're going to lose sight of what uh, what sobriety is all about what relationships are all about i, I think that a, another strategy uh, to all this is to know how to deal with people's natural defenses and and i like this i love watching um, people get defensive and then using core communication to help move them into a more flexible mindset. Because athletes, everyone is defensive to some degree, okay? And think about that. Everyone is defensive to some degree. That's why the best technique to manage um, like, like that, that mindset is to make someone agree with your plan as though it was their idea, right? Um, and this is done by showing appreciation for other people, validating their individuality and uh, the intelligence by playing to their natural stubbornness, right? Athletes remember, everyone is defensive in some degree, and we gotta be mindful that the potential risk of, of that um, defensiveness can get us into a situation where we'll, 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 lose, we'll lose our cool and uh, we'll end up kind of self-sabotaging like our own character. We want to be careful with that. Um, preventing self-sabotage by uh, employing a positive attitude um, and really avoiding like repression. And so, you know, do you ever feel like you've been cursed or perhaps doomed or you're the one with the world's worst luck? If so, it's likely that you, uh, it's likely due to certain unhelpful traits that you need to recognize and get under control. So when you look within and see what's kind of causing all that negative behavior, negative thought process, and the similarity between it all, you can turn things around and avoid future problems. And believe it or not, one of the main uh, contributors to self-sabotage behavior or a negative attitude Fortunately, it's something you can change. If you think your bad attitude is justified, just look at the life of uh, other people who may have uh, had worse circumstances than you. And I think sometimes we got to be a little bit cautious with that because we want to be, dare we say, uniquely ticked off. <laughs> so it's, uh, 
it is one of these things that if you have a dark side to your personality, whether it's a negative feeling or just uh, selfish impulses, the first thing to do is to acknowledge it and then be able to bring it and use it in positive ways. And I think that uh, it's hard to do because everyone's prone to feelings of grandeur, which should be you know, brought down to reality. Um, when we get too high on the horse, I think we forget that uh, we really are just one person in a much bigger machine. And we gotta be careful that our opinions and our viewpoints aren't necessarily those of others. So if you want someone who's uh, experienced even a little success, you may have to look uh, on and wonder as that success went to their heads and maybe proceeded to a spot where they lost touch with reality. I look at situations where um, we see, um, uh, you know, like, like celebrities and, and things of that nature. We gotta be careful. We might have a an instant viral hit sensation with a post we have, and then that gives us the go ahead and that feeling of, of grandeur um, when really we need to be brought down to reality because again our ways aren't the only ways we tend to conform uh, to that group mentality and feel a false sense of entitlement which I think we have to be careful with so athletes to kind of wrap this up you know we all tend to conform to that group mentality especially an in team attitude athlete and then we feel a false sense of entitlement um, and so when we think of ourselves as unique, civilized, sophisticated um, individuals with independent minds, we got to also remember to pay close attention to that human behavior, those human nature uh, aspects that we spend a lot of time worrying about, uh, I guess, what others might think about us and how well we'll fit into other groups or certain groups. And whether it's true um, that we've come a long way from our addictions and all that kind of stuff, we still tend to develop primitive thought process when we're part of a group. So it's not a pleasant thing to consider, but uh, we'd all be better off to recognize this tendency is within all of us. So we want to avoid the group mentality when it comes to, I guess, our, our personal viewpoints and that kind of stuff. You can still be very much independent and your morals, your values, beliefs can be uniquely yours. I, I, see, I see this in, in situations with um, medicated assisted therapy or MAT. And I start seeing that we have um, people that are, you know, abstinence is the only way and you can't use anything else to get clean. So you got to be 100% drug free. And that's not the case. You know, in my eyes, I think that harm reduction is more important than, than uh, you know, the stigma of, of are you an addict or are you not? I think that we got to open up our minds to stuff like that. And so if it's a group mentality, we got to pay very close attention that when we spend a lot of time worrying about what others think and how well we fit into certain groups, we're going to miss the point completely. And so to avoid those things from happening, we should all be part of the reality group. Um, and you can think of this group as a gold standard in all teamwork, right? Where everyone stays focused on the original goal. Um, so think about that right now. If, if the United States of America had a group reality goal, you know, in re the reality group that we belong to, and that uh, as a whole, we all focused on the original goal, which was to a, not have people die because of this, this virus. B, keep everyone else safe. Um, can you imagine what how different this place would be? I mean, think about it, right? And uh, also making sure that uh, as a whole, we don't get caught up in, in the pointless disputes or, or you know, opinions and, and things of that nature. If we stayed focused, seriously, on that original goal, 
I can't imagine what, what we would be able to accomplish, right? This structure focuses on the benefits and the aspects of teamwork and emphasizes that people can accomplish great things when we cooperate. It's hard to even fathom because of how divided we have become. And there's a huge problem with this, athletes. The division that we're feeling in our lives, whether it be with friends and family because we're walking away from addiction, or us as U.S. citizens who are on the wear a mask, don't wear a mask, like, uh, you know, soapbox, we've got to be super careful because it's dividing us in situations and ways that we may not be able to rebound from. Um, I think the, the last aspect of human nature that I want to discuss is that of entitlement. Um, and although all of us feel entitled from time to time, um, there really is no room for it. And this unfortunate trait is, is more than just uh, royalty, right? Um, for centuries, people have been uh, expected to honor and worship individuals just because they're born into a certain family or have certain things. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, it's, uh, they, they feel, they feel like it's, it's, it's a royal privilege. Uh, you know, it's funny because I think that, uh, Queen Elizabeth stands out in history, uh, as one of the few who wanted to earn the respect, uh, and loyalty of her subjects. So she declined her income and used the money to help people of England. And she only made decisions she believed were in the best interests of her people. And what she understood was that entitlement of earlier monarchs led to resentment. And that's kind of an interesting thing, right? So we should all prove ourselves worthy of, of uh, admiration by working hard, by owning our mistakes, by making uh, sacrifices when it's in the greater interest of everyone at large. But I think that's probably the most difficult challenge we'll face in recovery, in life, is that if we sacrifice something for something of greater value, or greater interest, does that mean that we are without? And athletes, I think that's where most of this stuff happens, right? Because if I sacrifice you know, my my uh, my my freedom of being able to breathe air um, in a in a store or a, a mall or a movie theater or a restaurant, and I have to wear a mask, um, am I sacrificing the experience? Um, I don't know. I would I would say no, but that's just my opinion. I think that uh, for the greater good, that's what we look at. But there's a lot of like tangible things that we can point out, touch, feel, hear, and taste that would, um, I guess, kind of counteract that for someone who doesn't believe that the virus isn't even real and that uh, everyone's going to get it. And so if you die while you have it, well, that's just uh, natural selection, you know, survival of the fittest. Uh, I don't like that mentality. I think that's absolutely wrong. But again, that's my opinion, right? Athletes, I hope this wasn't too much of a soapbox episode for you. I wanted to talk about this um, specifically because of how intense I think the discussion has been. And more so because I just want you guys to know how how happy I am that uh, we are we're learning how to communicate with more uh, mindset towards, I guess, the greater good rather than the division. Um, it's hard and I know this and I know that it's scary and a lot of times we react because of fear and Instead of fear. I like to say let's have faith because they're the same thing with different outcomes 
But um, yeah, so this might have been a blowhardy kind of podcast, but I wanted to share that with you. Those are my thoughts. As always, I want to thank Radio Ronin, Chunga, Joshua, Spencer, and Chandler for all that you do for Team Addict to Athlete. Check out their podcast. Check out Bash Music every weekend. They got some great tunes. And uh, take them with you on your run. They are they're awesome tempo running to do. And, and they make some pretty good music. And so really, you've got a couple hour run. Um, take pick Radio Ronin and uh, Pod Bash Music with you. Nonetheless, athletes, I want to thank again all those who have been subscribing to our Patreon page. Again, thank you so much. Please jump on there. Bonus content, um, merchandise, all kinds of cool things you get there as being uh, part of the Patreon family. And uh, and really jump on and let's get you guys registered for the Addict to Athlete 5K. It's virtual this year because of the pandemic. We'll get your stuff sent down to you. All the bibs, everything's come in. Um, but yeah, we'll get that out to you so you can go run proxy for a loved one who may have lost the battle or who is still struggling with addictions. Athletes, until next time, this is Coach Blue for Team Addict to Athlete. Go turn your mess into a very powerful message.